Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it is repeated on Thursday nights, same time and same uh, Eastern Standard, 7.30. Also, well, you can hear the show on Podomatic.com, and you're encouraged to visit that site and go to our channel or our page and subscribe, or in this case, follow. This way there you'll be notified of uh, when we upload new shows. And it's not just this show that we upload. We do have other programs of, I think, of importance, um, some of them historically important, um, that you can uh, download for free and put on your websites if you like. In fact, someone uh, just yesterday embedded one of our shows, which is really nice. And also YouTube. Visit our YouTube channel, Camp Constitution. Uh, subscribe to our channel. And you, we have a playlist, and you can uh, look at the shows we've done. And we've been on the air now several years, three or four years, and get uh, some of the, uh, the best of the um, Camp Constitution radio. Uh, it is uh, brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. Our next camp will be next year will be um, July 28th to August 3rd in at the Lakeside Christian Camp and Conference Center in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. And we have a great lineup of instructors as we do every year, and we always have a few new people and. Uh, some, some of the uh, featured instructors are back uh, every year with different classes to teach. And this is a family camp. We have uh, whole families, and we also have unaccompanied minors. It's just a wonderful uh, week-long event. Uh, we do have activities year-round. If you go to our website, campconstitution.net, you'll see a calendar there, and you'll see events in the re- mainly in the New England region, New York. Um, <clears throat> we do hope to get out to... Um, the Midwest later on, uh, early early this winter uh, next year. Um, one of the things that we want to do is we want to do showings of the Gosnell movie, uh, the Gosnell, the America's biggest serial killer, uh, the abortion doctor. The movie was showing in theaters. I don't know if it still is. It was released in uh, early October, but I know that it's a very powerful movie, and we hope to be able to uh, have the rights to show this, to do screenings of this. Um, also, uh, we have the Sam Blumenfeld Archives, which is a very uh, important uh, resource for homeschoolers, researchers, historians, and people who just want to learn, learners. And you can visit our website, and you'll see the drop-down there with the archives. Um, lots of things going on, uh, as things going on every week. The elections have come and gone, and the world has not come to an end. The uh, sun is still rising. The grass is still green. Uh, the leaves are falling off the trees and, cha- and have already changed colors, and there's still a few hanging around. But uh, So the world didn't come to an end, as some people predicted. Uh, it was more of, of a draw, at, at least at the congressional level or the, uh, at the national level. Uh, the Republicans got a few more seats in the Senate, uh, lost some seats in the House, and then you know, obviously lost the House. But um, 
thanks to our wonderful constitution, this thing called checks and balances. Uh, it works out pretty well, and um, let's just hope that uh, we have two years of ed- educating and informing people. My whole, it, it's an interesting take. Uh, there are so many people in this country that are just misinformed and uh, emotionally driven. Uh, well, I don't like Trump, therefore I'm not going to vote for my, I'm, I'm going to vote for a Democrat. Well, I like, I like Trump, I'm going to vote for a Republican. I mean, that's not the way the country is supposed to be running, folks. You're supposed to understand the Constitution and then vote for the person who will best uphold that oath of office, uh, and it doesn't work that way. You know, some, 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 of it, some catastrophic event can happen a week before the election. Oh, I'm not going to vote for that person. I'm going to vote. That person does nothing to do with that catastrophic, catastrophic event, but you still vote against that person. So uh, uh, let's just hope that, again, we can uh, hope and pray that we can get more people actively involved in, uh, in the freedom movement and influence more people. So um, I know in New Hampton, New Hampshire, uh, the Republicans kept the governorship who, you know, nice guy, but he's 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 liberal or moderate. He's like a George Bush liberal. He voted. He passed some of the most horrible bills this uh, this year. Uh, the so-called bathroom bill, the, the, the transgender bill. And this is supposed to be a conservative state. But unfortunately, it's not very churched. Therefore, you have a lot of conservatives who lean in the libertarian direction without any moral compass. And that's why this crazy stuff gets passed. Uh, And, of course, there's a big lobbyist. um, You know, the left wing has tons of money to it. uh, And they get money all over the country for these kinds of this kind of uh, pushing this legislation. Also, uh, the Maine lost the House uh, and I think it lost uh, lost the governor's office. Um, so that's uh, that's unfortunate, and of course the new governor there, uh, her goal was to promote global warming and climate change and all that. Where Governor LePage, after um, uh, after eight years, uh, was reversing a lot of that craziness. In fact, he was term limited out. Now he may not have run, ran for a third time, but you see the pros and cons of term limits. Yes, you might get the rascals out, and of course if you're a liberal or a leftist, you are no big fan of LePage. But if you're a conservative Republican, you thought, gee, if this guy wants to run for a third term, I'm game. I'm going to vote for him. But you can't because you got a term limit bill, a law that says you can't go. And now, now, they, now they're stuck with uh, the conservatives in Maine, are stuck with a leftist in the governor's office. And uh, you think you have – I'm not sure if they got this, kept the Senate, but I think they uh, lost the House. Or they, I don't know if they had the House before. But anyway, just interesting um, – and um, my family, my ladies are down in Florida. This, uh, they were down in Florida uh, last week and uh, coming home uh, in a few days. Uh, I, so I've been sort of a, um, a Disney widower. My, my daughter's dance uh, performed, performed down there, and my wife went down to join them. And my poor wife, she worked so hard. She deserves it. But I'm home, and I got a lot of work done around the house and had some events. Uh, went to a very interesting event yesterday, which I'll talk about. Um, <clears throat> it was put on my, by my good friend Dave Kopatz, who's been a guest on the show, I think, in the past. Um, it was a, uh, a documentary. There's a four-part documentary. This is part one, and it's called Dead Man Talking, and it's about Leroy Finnegan. Lavoy Finnegan, I'm sorry, who was murdered by the BLM, uh, the not Black Lives Matter, but Bureau of Land Management in Oregon a few years ago, and his uh, wife Jeanette, widow Jeanette, was there. She's a lovely lady, and um, there was a gentleman that uh, 
uh, Mark Hare, H-E-R-R, who was, was the Center for Self-Governance, and that's the entity that, that had um, that put together this documentary. And he's a very interesting guy, and they, do, they seem to do pretty good work. They teach uh, people the principles of limited government, the Constitution, U.S. history. So I'm gonna, I plan to have them on the show uh, in the not-too-distant future. But this documentary, it really makes you, it makes you sick how the Obama administration, how they use the, the Bureau of Land Management should be abolished completely. And under the Constitution, Article 1, um, Section 8, where Congress has jurisdiction over 10 square miles in D.C., which had, was in the process of being set aside. There was no District of Columbia uh, or the, I think it was called something else before that. Um, it was in the process of being uh, land it was taken from Virginia and Maryland to become the nation's capital, 10 square miles. And it also calls for docks, uh, forts, magazines where you store ammunition and other needful buildings. And once, uh, when the United States government uh, got territory, uh, you know, they got Louisiana Purchase and other, other ways they got territory, uh, the goal was to turn it over to create a state as soon as possible uh, and then the states would would own that uh, the states and the states would dispense with the property as as it as it deems necessary. So you have a uh, the federal government taking over more. In fact, they own large parcels of land. Something like uh, I don't know what the percentage is. Twenty or thirty percent of the land in the country is owned by the federal government. It might be a little more than that. And out west, it's owned mostly by the federal government. All unconstitutional. But um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Finnegan was, I think, a real righteous man. He was a cowboy. He loved, uh, he ended up buying a ranch, his lifelong dream. Had a lovely family, and his wife were just salt-of-the-earth type people. And uh, he was actually murdered. He was shot in the back three times. And uh, Mrs. Um, Finnegan has a um, wrongful, deaths, wrongful death suit, and hopefully she'll be successful. It's not going to bring the husband back, unfortunately. And it's just a shame, a, a tragedy that the government can be really become an enemy of the people in this case. Uh, and it's interesting too, uh, the Black Lives Matter people. Um, yeah, the, there's been some injustices. There's some examples where police have uh, abused their authority. I'm not denying that. But uh, you know, when you have um, you know millions of police, uh, I should say millions of times around the country, where police are responding to. Uh, criminal activity, I think the record is pretty darn good overall. And uh, the, the Finnegan's, um, Jeanette does not hate the police. She does not hate the federal government. She's not out, you know, to, to, to do nasty things, um, what, but, but, but obviously out to expose what they do and hopefully prevent these kinds of things in the future. So um, let me just give you the website for the Center for Self-Governance where you can get information about this. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, centerforselfgovernance.com, and they're based in Washington State. Um, so I do encourage you to uh, check those folks out. Um, something else, too. One of the things I've observed is that the left, now the left doesn't, members of the left don't have a whole lot of children, and uh, they abort most of them, uh, but they do want to influence ours. And I have to say, though, they do an incredible job of keeping their children on the uh, the path of leftist politics and leftist worldview, where we, the Christian community, the patriot community, uh, we do a very bad job 
And the reason why we do such a rotten job is because uh, mainly, not maybe exclusively, but mainly because we put our children in the schools that are run by the left, the far left. And we put them in there, not just an hour a week, but five to six hours a day, five days a week. And then we wonder why the children, are, when they come of age, have lost their faith in God or become hostile to uh, the thinking of the parents. What did happen? Some of them engage in drugs. Some of them decide that they're female. The boys decide they're girls. The girls decide they're boys. Um, they, uh, they think abortion is great. They are involved in promiscuous behavior. All of these things that you didn't teach them, you didn't raise them that way, but they became that way. And uh, I don't know if too many leftist parents will send their children to like Hillsdale College or Liberty University or uh, Bob Jones University or uh, Thomas More College, which is just a conservative Catholic college uh, in New Hampshire, etc. I don't know of any left-wing parents who do this, but how many conservative Christian parents or conservative uh, Jewish uh, parents send their children to the most left-wing schools if they, if they haven't already got them in, in, in high school, in, in elementary school, if, every, if they've already captured their minds and their souls, by the time they get through, get through college, 80% of them are going to become leftists. And that's why we are not gaining ground here. When will these people wake up? That's the key thing. Um, I, have not, I don't think there is one Kennedy child, grandchild, great-grandchild, uh, that has become a conservative activist. Now, there might be a few here and there, um, and if there are, let me know of them. I'd love to get them on the show. We do here, I know Madeline Murray O'Hare, uh, her son, uh, I think it was her son who was a born-again Christian. Uh, but again, that's, uh, t- they tend to be exceptions. I'm strong. I know there was uh, Bill Baird, who was uh, one of the abortion, uh, abortion clinic owners, abortion mill owners, his wife became a Christian and the daughter became a Christian. They, he, he somewhat disowned, uh, disowned the father. Uh, but for the most part, the, the left does an incredible job. And uh, while our children and grandchildren are becoming leftists and be, you know, becoming um, basically enemies, our enemies, unfortunately. And the Bible does say, pray for your enemies. So uh, I, it's a strong word to use, but I just want to say that um, the goal is to get our enemies and to, to turn them into friends. That's, that's what our goal is, and allies. Um, there's a uh, video that I got a chance to watch in its entirety. Uh, it's called The Atheist Delusion. And it's been out for a while, I think. It's available on YouTube. And uh, uh, it was very interesting. I, the gentleman's name, the pastor, I, I wish I could guess have a mental block to the name of the man. He's, uh, I think he's from Australia or New Zealand. Uh, he's got that, what we would consider a, an accent. But he interviews um, mostly young people, but in, in, the, in this, uh, it's about an hour and a half long, and it moves very quickly. He, he interviews uh, mostly young people in their 20s, but uh, a few middle-aged people and an older man. All of them in the video say they're atheists. But most of them seem to be at least receptive, uh, and he makes a very compelling argument. He uh, shows them a, um, a book, and he said that this book evolved. Where did this book come from? And they all agreed that it, was, uh, it had to be created. 
the ink, the paper, putting it all together, publishing it, shipping it. There's some kind of design here. And he said, well, if this book can be, um, uh, if you all agree this book has to have a creator, isn't the human body far more complex than the book? And yet we think that uh, this evolved. So it all gave him reason to think. Some of them in the video have accepted the Lord, a few of them right on the spot. Um, but all of them, it seemed to be all of them, uh, said that, well, I started. Be, I became an atheist when I could think for myself. And I thought that was very interesting. Think for themselves. Well, we start thinking for ourselves when we're infants. In fact, infants can be the most selfish little things in the world. As much as we love them and they're adorable and cute, they cry when they're hungry. They cry when they want when, when their diaper needs to be changed or when, when they're sick or need to be held. They're thinking for themselves almost exclusively. So. What they really mean is when I left my parents and were influenced by the Marxist and communist and socialist and the evolutionist in our government schools, that's when I started believing what they wanted to believe because it sounded nicer, because I'm not responsible for, uh, for the things I do, that I'm not accountable. My parents, who, and there are some cases where they were, there was the parents were nominal believers or not even believers at all or it, was, it didn't mean anything to them. So they didn't have any uh, upbringing in, in the Christian or in the Jewish faith or whatever faith, uh, uh, people of faith, whatever they have. Uh, so they didn't have any. But a few of them said, well, they were raised a certain way, but when they were able to think for themselves. There was a middle-aged fellow, you know, that said, well, I, then it's when I became an atheist. And again, uh, he became an atheist. He didn't say so, but he became an atheist because he was in a government school where they promote atheism. In fact, that's where most of the faith of our children are lost. I remember in my eighth grade um, science class, oh, I had a pretty teacher. Oh, we, she was cute. She was probably in her mid-20s. And she didn't say, your parents lied to you. There is no God. We, there's this Adam and Eve nonsense. This idea of creation is foolishness. We evolved from monkeys, and that's the fact. She never said that just presented it and uh, pictures of monkeys becoming men and I'm thinking well she wouldn't tell us a lie I mean she's she's cute she's look at her she's smart she's got a college degree so why would she lie to us and that's where the that's how they do it folks I mean if you imagine if the teacher and the teachers in most of these government schools were that adamant about it I think that uh, they would they would pretty much uh, alert to parent it would be pretty obvious too obvious um so anyway that's so that's really the, the bottom line here and they say well how, we got to save our public schools they can't be saved if if your body uh it's it's something it's like a it's like a moldy piece of bread you get a moldy piece of bread well let's save the bread no you can't it's thoroughly molded it's, unless you're making penicillin out of it, but you're not going to make a sandwich out of it. You get it. You get you, 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 that bread is useless, and that's the government schools, folks. And I, so many good friends of mine, conservatives, we need to save the schools. We need to run for office, run for, uh, you know, school committee and all that. Well, we have a top-down entity that runs the schools, and. Yeah, you might have a little. I would. I'd like to see local control. I'd like to see, but with Common Core, with the worldview of those in the schools, 
it's going to be an uphill battle. So why, why would you put your children at risk or grandchildren? Why would you want to put them in that environment? You know, it was uh, a number of years ago, I had a friend in my, my church that I used to attend in the town of Dedham, Massachusetts. Very great guy. He was from uh, Southern Africa, a black gentleman. He was a music director, just a great guy. Somebody that he had some immigration problems. And I said, hey, look, whatever, you know, whatever you need, I'll be there to help you. We, we need more guys like you in our country. And he since obviously squared that away. But he did say to me, uh, we had a discussion about Christians in government schools. And he said that um, it's, not a, it's a good thing that Christian students should be in government schools. And he said there'll be their witnesses and, you know, light, light and darkness, et cetera. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, on the way to church on a, on a Sunday, what would you think of me if I dropped my children off at the Unitarian Church for their for services and for Sunday school? I said, uh, would you question my commitment to, to the Lord? He says, well, of course I would. And I said, why would you do that? He says, well, Unitarians don't believe what we believe. We're Trinitarians. We believe in the inerrancy of the Bible and salvation by grace, et cetera, et cetera, all the, the doctrines that most Christians would accept, at least most Trinitarian Christians. And I said, you're right. I said, but why would you drop your child off at a Unitarian school five days a week? And I think it resonated with him a little bit. Uh, yeah, Christians, uh, teachers, yeah, that might be fine. Uh, God bless you if you do that. You should be putting your, uh, be more interested in starting Christian schools or private or, or working in a homeschool group, a homeschool co-op. That's where the, that's what you should be involved in. But yeah, fine. If you're a Christian, you want to get a job in a Christian in, in a government school. But you know, I, I've met Christian, I know Christians who are in government schools, and they say, well, I can't talk about this, I can't talk about that. You talk about censorship. You know, it, it's really difficult. I think the efforts in all these churches, you know, I, I, when I'm driving by in the course of a day, I'm traveling somewhere in between, I'll see a church. I might stop. I'll stop by and leave off some information about Camp Constitution, the Blumenfeld Archive. Ninety-nine percent of these churches during the day are empty, unless it's a Sunday morning, maybe a Sunday evening, or maybe a Wednesday evening. For the most of the part, they're empty. Nothing going on. Beautiful building, and they're being heated in the wintertime, and, you know, they probably got cooling in the summertime, but they're empty, except for those tw- twice a week. And it's only two days a week, and it's only for a few hours. Meanwhile, the left-wing centers, the community colleges, the, uh, the various programs that cities and towns have, they're wide open, the left-wing libraries. They're open all the time. They say, why can't we get programs? Why can't do, churches do more outreach and have more activities? And why can't that church become the community center where the children go between their jobs or after school or what have you? And that's really, the, that's another thing, too. The churches are silent. They're dead. Whitewashed tombs. Even if the gospel's being taught in the, in the confines of that church, what goes on outside? What impact are they making in that community? And that's, that's really an indication of a vibrant church. My, uh, my wife used to, it used to be a ladies gathering. They used to travel around the country and they have these little two-day events. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it was a, and my wife used to go and I was glad, very glad. It was good fellowship. And um, I asked her, 
I said, uh, were there a lot of demonstrators outside, you know, outside this? Uh, it was in Hartford, Connecticut. And she said, no. I said, why not? Why should be demonstrators? Well, if they were making a profound impact on the w- women in, in the region, uh, promoting the gospel, promoting righteousness, encouraging them to get involved in reclaiming the culture, you better believe there'll be some opposition there. So, uh, no, they just, you know, okay, it's a lot about right relationships with your families and with your husband. That's all good, but that's where it ends. They don't uh, go beyond that. Where, boy, if it weren't for the ladies, my goodness, we would probably lost our freedoms a long time ago. You know, uh, back in the 70s, the uh, groups like the Eagle Forum, led by Mrs. Sh- uh, the late uh, Mrs. Schlafly, played a key role in stopping some of this madness. And um, anyway, that's uh, that, that's sort of an indication. If you're not catching flack, you're not over the target, as the saying goes. So, uh, and I like to think that we catch flack here at Camp, Camp Constitution. Not that we go out of our way to look for it. Uh, with this flag, uh, this flag lawsuit that I discussed over the last year or so, um, still in the courts, we've appealed. But uh, if you saw the articles that have been posted around the country uh, for different sites and across the left-wing sites, all the vicious, ugly, nasty nonsense that you see there, say, oh, it must be doing something right. They're so afraid of a little flag uh, flying on a flagpole for a couple of days. What a horrible, horrible thing. And speaking of which, um, sports, uh, professional sports uh, has been a major distraction. I like a good baseball game. I like to watch a football game now and then. Uh, basketball, hockey, not so much. There's nothing wrong with it per se, but it's become almost not a pastime but an obsession. And the the owners, many, most of the owners are either participating in the culture war by promoting the homosexual agenda or encouraging their you know their their people to kneel at the national anthem. So they're promoting the leftist agenda. And uh, now I live in Boston, Boston Red Sox, and the owner is a very liberal uh, billionaire and uh, the principal owner, John Henry. And he, he is a flaming hypocrite. At least we would look at it as hypocrisy. They don't because their agenda, they don't, they don't have the same standards we have. Um, oh, a few, uh, a few months ago, uh, he decides to change the name. Well, he had to get permission from the city and they're, were gladly, gladly granted it, but the, the the location of Fenway Park, the address was Yaki Way. I think it was for Yaki Way, named after the late owner Tom Yaki, and it was renamed uh, Yaki Way. Had been Jersey Street, at least that block had been Jersey Street, and they renamed it Yaki Way in his honor in 1976-77. And he's owned the team since what 2000 or so, 2001. Uh, oh, maybe in the late 90s, and all of a sudden, the name Yaki is a stench in his nostrils, and he had to change it back, and he had to, you know, and of course, the city was more, oh, yeah, Tom Yaki was a racist. Here's a guy, Tom Yaki, that had um, more black players on his team in the mid-60s than the Boston Globe that had sports writers. In fact, the Boston Globe didn't break the color line when it came to its writers until 1973. And here is, uh, here is the owner of the Red Sox, who also owns the Boston Globe. But what I wanted to mention, too, is um, they, uh, they fly the, uh, the rainbow flag on Fenway Park in June to commemorate uh, Gay Pride Month. 
the, really, it's the anniversary of the Stonewall Riot, which was a sleazy mob-owned bar in, um, in, in Manhattan, the south side there, uh, lower Manhattan. And uh, it was raided by police because of the, uh, you know, the disgusting behavior, activities that some of the patrons would engage in. Uh, and they were assaulted by the patrons, and it happened on two nights. So this is sort of their, this is their uh, Independence Day. And so they fly this flag in Fenway Park, and what I did, I waited until the World Series euphoria wore off a little bit. And what I did was I got a hold of the Red Sox um, public relations, fan feedback at redsox.com. That's the, web, that's the email, fan feedback at redsox.com. This is their community of community affairs. And I asked them, it was about several days, about four or five days ago. I asked in an email, I said, would you uh, fly the Christian flag uh, during the Christmas season uh, and during the Easter season, probably a weekend uh, before, so a, a few days after Christmas, and either, uh, the Easter weekend from Good Friday to Sunday. I said there are, there are lots of Christian fans, and this would be a nice thing to do. Well, they haven't got back to me, and I don't expect that they will get back to me anytime soon unless we put a lot of pressure on them. So I'm asking if you're listening to this show, and you want to uh, simply make that request, uh, just get a hold of uh, fan feedback at RedSox.com. And may I encourage you to do the same thing uh, with your uh, sports team. Uh, I, a lot of the teams, not all of them, uh, do some kind of uh, promotion of the homosexual agenda. Uh, the Chicago Cubs were the first team to do it. I think it's 2001. And uh, so they want to do that, that's fine. But let's, uh, you know, if you're going you're gonna to cater to uh, your fan base of 0.5 percent. You know, why don't you um, cater to the fan base that might be a little higher than that? I know there are a lot of Christians uh, of various denominations that uh, are baseball fans that spend these ridiculous amounts of prices to buy tickets and buy wear the the, the, the T-shirts. You know, I remember years ago the teams used to give you T-shirts. It was like free advertisement. You were advertising the team. Well, companies used to. Hey, wear our T-shirt. You know, advertise up now. This stuff is designer wear. Now you're paying big money to advertise that. Could you? Uh, I mean, we sell camp T-shirts. You know, we sell them a few bucks over the cost to help make, and we give them away, so we kind of break even. But I can't imagine, uh, you know, people actually paying big money, not just you know a little money. Hey, a T-shirt's a T-shirt. Have a, but you're paying for put the you pay them good money to put their logo on the shirt. It's it's a it's incredible. I mean, these marketing geniuses that came up with this years ago, hey, these people will pay to advertise our product because they love the product so much, whether it be Coca-Cola or, well, it be, uh, you know, a baseball team or an or a company organization or whatever. Uh, anyway, so, again, I, I encourage you people who are, who are freedom activists, uh, fan feedback at RedSox.com, and be very respectful and say, look, well, we'd like you to um, – We'd like you to, uh, we request that you fly the Christian flag. Anyway, we're out of time. Uh, You've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Sherliff. And until next week, may God richly bless you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.